0: It's time for today's episode of NFT365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at Rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT365. As most of you have learned over this journey, I'm a very positive, optimistic person. I, I really do believe in seeing the good in people, but I'm also one that has, you know, my guard up oftentimes when it comes to, you know, something sounding too good to be true, or you know, some of the, the things that I keep hearing uh you know being repeated. And so on this episode, I really just wanted to get into it on really for me it's a little bit less about the three examples of bad advice that I'm going to use, but more about us understanding this current environment and some of the things that we have to think about, especially, and this isn't just NFTs, but this is really the Web3 world as a whole. And I'm going to break down kind of the the creator economy and a lot of the other things that are also things that we need to be aware of here um, in this NFT space, especially. But really, for me, it comes down to trust- transparency. And in many cases, the person that we're listening to's track record. Now, when I say track record, and I when I say trust and transparency, for me, it's not about finding or listening to someone that has like amazing NFTs in their bag, right? Because just because I mean, it's the first episode of this podcast, right? Just because someone has a, a bored ape or a crypto punk doesn't mean that a they can teach you or b that their strategy works for you. But much like we spend a lot of time researching NFT projects, we also have to research those that we're listening to. And we also have to be willing to mute or unfollow or not listen to those that have done us wrong. And this is actually probably one of my my biggest pet peeves right now, as there are there are people in the space that people are like, I would never listen to them. I couldn't trust them worth, worth, worth anything. Yet they follow them on Twitter. They jump into all of their Twitter spaces and they're kind of building them up. Right. And I think we have to spend more time celebrating and talking about those, you know, influencers, thought leaders, whatever authorities in this space that we believe that we can trust, that we believe that are transparent. And in many cases, and, and I've said this a lot, like, I also want to know, like, what mistakes, uh, you know, certain NFT influencers or creators or investors have made, and if an NFT investor isn't willing to, like, if they're like, "Oh, I've made plenty of sp- uh, mistakes, but none of them jump off the top of my head, off my, uh, you know, off the top of my head." I think there that's a that's a red flag, right? Because I think you should easily be able to talk about the mistakes you've made, the projects you thought that were gonna be good, the times you sold too early. Like for me, I sold alien friends uh way too early. I even got in late and then sold early and still regret that. But I think, you know, understanding that aspect. And then the other part of this is listening for what people aren't saying as much as what they are saying, right? When someone talks about, you know, telling, you know, giving advice about which projects to get into or the thing that they're most excited to, you know, jumping into. And if you know that their style of investing, right, are they one that buys three NFTs and then sells them to keep one? Are they one that likes to ape into a project and buy 20 of them? Like whatever that strategy is, you have to look and say, okay, that's their norm. And if they're talking about something, are they going to make those same actions, right? Because I mean, actions speak a lot louder than words. For me I will say, you know, I watch a lot of uh influencers wallets because we have the, you know, the tech that can do that. And too often what we hear them talking about is not actually what they're backing up with their wallet or their own, you know, strategy. And and this also comes into just because someone was great at investing in NFTs in the summer of 2021 doesn't mean they're going to be great at doing it in 2022. And what I mean by that more so than anything else is that we have to really listen for people's advice on how they got to where we're at now, but we have to skate where the puck is going. Remember that Wayne Gretzky quote, right? So just because someone had, has a really great track record doesn't mean that they're also going to be someone that's going to lead you into the future the best, right? So it's about balancing that advice on, on all sides. So with that being said, let's jump into, I'm going to give you three examples of bad advice that I've heard that hopefully we can avoid, or at least we can, you know, try to dissect. The first one is if you are, you know, you should be delisting or never listing your actual NFTs uh, for sale. If you love a project, I've heard that one actually more than once. I've said, I've heard people talk about, you know, if you love a project, you should never post it for sale. You should never, um, you know, sell your, your NFT project. Now, what I will say about that is the first thing we have to do is we have to stop flip shaming, right? This flip shaming is, is getting a little bit ridiculous, right? And I don't like if someone is promoting a project and telling people to stay in yet they're selling all of their NFTs. Like that's that we, that's not flip shaming. Flip shaming is this idea of telling people how or when or why they should or shouldn't sell or anyone that lifts lists, below this floor price is an idiot, because we don't know people's circumstances. The other thing that we have to remember is that flipping and, and selling NFTs, especially like flipping up into a NFT, actually benefits the community. Because if there is that residual percentage that's going back to the team, every time there's a transaction, well, if I'm and this is something I do a lot, right, like where I'll buy three of, of a project, I'll sell one to cover my my, um, you know, my basis, which you can go back and listen to the episode three by three by three to listen to this full strategy. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll then have two. And then oftentimes I'll be like, you know what? I really like this one art or this one speaks to me. I'm going to sell these two so that I can buy this one that is at a higher price. Right? Like, so understanding like kind of like some of those mechanics, the other thing is, there are some times where you're going to want to buy a lot of an, of, a, of an NFT because, hey, you want to really support, but then you want to sell parts of that so that you can actually increase the, the reason that you're holding that and increase your own liquidity, right? Like people making decisions for their own liquidity should not be shamed, should not be looked down upon. And the last part about it is you never know what someone might be willing to pay unless you put it out there. Now, I'll give you a little bit. This is a little bit secret of mine. If you see my NFTs listed for 3.9 or 9.3 ETH, those are ones that I'm like, hey, I have no plans on selling that anytime soon. But if someone offered me that amount, I'd be willing to sell it because I know I can spend more money now going in and maybe sweeping the floor or going back into that project. And I will tell you, there are some projects that I bought eight of the mint. Once the art revealed, I'm gonna sell six of them, but I'm gonna use my profits from those six to buy two of my favorite ones in that collection. So I think we just have to be very careful on, this, on, the, on the flip shaming. I also noticed there's a lot of flip shaming from people that are project founders, but those project founders in their personal life, all they do is flip. And it's like, they're like, please don't flip my project now that I'm the founder, even though I'm the one that does that on a regular basis. To me, it's talking out both sides of their mouth. It's already, that's a massive red flag for me. All right. Number two. Uh, I've been hearing this advice actually a lot on uh on Twitter Spaces, also on a couple other projects. They will say things like, only invest in established NFT projects. There's too much guessing in the minting of NFTs. Or they'll say, you know, don't don't try to bet on, you know, a uh upcoming NFT. You know, go back and, and only invest in existing NFTs. Now, a lot of this advice is actually coming from people that minted NFTs early on and got lucky. And it's so interesting when someone says don't, you know, don't try to get lucky like I did. You should do this instead, right? And it's like where is that advice coming from? And I always say like for me, listening for the intent of someone's advice is essential for us to understand oftentimes what if we if that advice is critical. Now, moonshot minting, which means you're just minting an NFT hoping that it shoots to the moon it's the next blue chip. That's not really a strategy. That's like playing the lottery. And I will tell you as someone now that's minted, you know, 105 straight days, you know, that's a trying to predict if an NFT is going to be around for three months is a hard thing to, to, to research towards trying to predict or to know which NFTs are going to blue chip. That's it. That's, I believe it's near impossible, but here's the thing. I am also a big fan of, of making my, my risk and my investment lower on some projects and then holding on to them, you know, for a year and just seeing what happens. Like there are, there are a bunch of NFTs that I have that I don't really have any plan on selling. I'm I'm just going to hold them because I didn't have to buy into them at a very high price. Therefore it's worth just holding on and seeing if they shoot up, if they end up going to zero, they go to zero. But my risk tolerance is actually very low. And I've explained this in some past episodes, right? If, if someone is buying into a project at a higher price, right? If they're like, okay, this project's been around for a while, I'm going to spend 0.3 ETH. Their like investment, risk investment, is at a higher threshold. So more than likely, they're going to have a little bit more, they, they're going to feel a little bit more worried if all of a sudden the floor price dips. But if someone's minting in and taking a shot at it or just supporting a, their favorite artists, there's a lot less likelihood of you kind of uh, you know, being thrown off by the volatility or trying to dump a project because it went down, you know, 10% or 25% on the on a project. So I, I, I think there are times to mint. There are times to invest in existing projects. There's also like, you know, <laughs> the whole idea of like buying the dip. And then I, I always say like buy the dip, sell the rip. And what I mean by selling the rip is like when all of a sudden something starts taking off, like what great things go up, they're going to come back down. But I also am like, I like I like looking at the trends in the different phases, right? So what is the trend during the mint phase? The What is the trend during the pre-reveal phase? What is the trend during the reveal to execution of, uh, of utility phase? And then what is that long-term phase? And really kind of looking at that. All right, the third piece of bad advice is Uh, buying a cold wallet or a hardware wallet will prevent you from getting scammed or losing your NFTs and you can sleep through the night. I've heard this a lot. And here's the truth. Just because something is stored on a hardware wallet or a cold wallet does not mean that they are 100% secure. And giving someone false sense of security to me is man, it's like a pet peeve of mine. Because here's the thing, we have to really balance risk versus reward. And we also have to realize that security for security's sake does nobody any benefits, right? So like, if you're someone that, that, if you like to flip your NFTs a lot and move them around a lot, you using a hardware wallet and having to pay extra gas to either mint them in there, to move them in there or move them back and forth, that's not doesn't make any sense for your, um, your total uh, you know, investment. The other thing is if you're only buying an NFT once a month or twice a month maybe and you're not connecting to a lot of websites then having a a, a cold wallet or a hardware wallet really doesn't doesn't protect that much of a, a things so it, it might protect you from you know uh, you know for someone you know you giving away your seed phrase but it's not going to protect you from all things everywhere and so we also have to remember that like if I'm adding extra security how how many times am I going to get frustrated and might have to work around my own security, right? So I like that whole, like, keep it simple, stupid method, right? For KISS, uh, you know, KISS, keep it simple, stupid. I like keeping it simple, right? So if I I wanna mitigate my risk, I'm gonna take some certain, I'm gonna have a wallet that I'm gonna mint with and then a a different wallet that I'm gonna store my NFTs with. But that doesn't mean that that second wallet actually has to be, but it doesn't mean that that wallet actually has to be um, one that is a hardware wallet, right? You can have multiple hot wallets and one of them that you don't access very often at all that can be just as secure as having a hardware wallet, right? And the other thing about a hardware wallet to remember is I was telling someone this the other day, they're like, well, Brian, now I have nothing to worry about. And I was like, well, heaven forbid if my house burnt down, the thing I can pretty much guarantee that's coming out the door with me is my phone, which will have my wallet stored on it, right? The thing that I might not guarantee is that I might not be able to get my hardware wallet out of my security box or from my desk. And the other piece of this is like, what's the chance of me losing that actual hardware wallet versus me forgetting a password or giving away the seed phrase, right? So I'm all for kind of like that risk versus reward and understanding that balance when it comes to NFTs. The last thing I want to just share and when it comes to like bad advice is that there are some people that are just—they're looking for like the, their next, you know, their, their, their next, you know, opportunity for fame or fortune, right? There are a lot of people that are going to speak on panels and going to these different events. That if you ask them like what NFTs they've bought, they probably haven't bought that many. If you ask them what projects they've advised on, they've, they might be able to say they've advised on a bunch of projects, but it might be because they just were brought in and given a free whitelist uh, spot. And so this happens in every space, right? There are a lot of people that will claim to be an expert or an evangelist or NFT thought leader, and maybe they have friends in the right places, or maybe they're the ones they're willing to spend out of their own pocket to go fly to all these events. And all of a sudden, they're on all these stages, or maybe they're just one that kisses ass really well, and they get you know promoted a lot by other, uh, others in the NFT space. Here's the truth. Those people will come and go. The people that are building a brand, a personal brand, built on trust, built on authority, built on you know don't just you know listen to what I say, but watch what I do. Those are the people to stick around with. And I will tell you, I I work really hard at giving people a benefit of the doubt. But if you like screw me over, or screw someone else over, or take advantage of someone one time, you're done. Like I will. Okay, that's it. Now I've said before, I'm willing to give people a second chance but i'm going to go from trusting you to now you have to earn my trust back right and like i think that's kind of like some of this balance and i will say we get a ton of requests right now for the podcast for people to come on the podcast and there are some people that i just will not put on the podcast as a guest there are some projects that i will not put on the 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 podcast um and in and in some cases it's because i don't know them enough or i'm not i'm not aware of them enough or in other cases is I've been burnt one or two times by something similar, and I'm just not going to take that risk. And I will say this, and I will say it over and over again. This is for the, the flip side of this, right? No NFT project, no brand sponsorship, no connection with an influencer is worth jeopardizing or losing the trust you have with your audience. I don't care how much money it is. And if you remember that, and you remember that on what other people are doing, if people are willing to sell out to their audience for two ETH, what else are they willing to do? What else are they willing to say or not do? We have to be very aware of those that are willing to do that. Now, here's the flip of this. We should be paying influencers. We should be, we should be willing to give people money. And if you are an influencer or a thought leader and you are getting paid, you just need to disclose that and make, make people aware of that arrangement. I've said that here on the podcast, you know, we are, we are bringing on sponsors of the podcast. We have sponsors of the show. We have people that we are working with, um, in collaboration with, but I will promise you that that relationship will be disclosed very openly with me on any Twitter space. Anytime I talk about them on the podcast or any tweet that I make. So, you know, it is a little bit of the wild, wild West. Uh, we have to kind of decide who we trust, who we are willing to, you know, spend our time listening to. And I think that this will also evolve over time. There will be some people right now that have just started out that will end up being some of the, the, the smartest, you know, wisest people um, to listen to in this space. And then the last part is, and I and I feel like I say this all the time, you know, define your own success and then go listen and learn from those that are on a similar path than you. It's really easy for us to want to listen to someone that is, uh, you know, has 500 or a thousand nfts in their bag but if you're someone that has three nfts are you gonna is the advice for someone that has a thousand nfts the right advice for you or should you be listening to someone else that is closer to your journey your values your mission what you have going on So I hope that helped Uh, try to keep a positive spin on bad advice or worst advice. Let me know on Twitter, jump over to our Discord, on Instagram stories or anywhere that we're at. Let us know like what's the worst advice you've heard given in the NFT space. And maybe I'll do a a second, a part two of this episode and I'll bring in some of the bad advice uh, that many of you have heard. But until tomorrow, my friends, make it a good one. Cheers. (laughs)